Welcome to the FedTech Innovator Podcast, bringing you the stories and journeys behind deep tech innovation and entrepreneurship. In each interview, we go behind the scenes with the entrepreneurs, scientists, and visionaries who are engineering the technologies of tomorrow, today. These journeys are unpredictable and full of learning, and whether you're an entrepreneur, researcher, or funder of innovation, our goal is to create a community where we can learn from each other as we all seek to change the world with technology. I'm Ben Solomon, and I'm the founder and managing partner of FedTech. Since 2015, we've been building a bridge between the R&D world and the venture world. Every year, we get to work with hundreds of companies and researchers who are changing the world through technology. In this podcast, we're going to share those stories with you from our friends and colleagues in deep tech. I'm coming to you from our headquarters in Arlington, Virginia, just across from the river from the nation's capital. All right. Hey, Helen, nice to see you. Thanks for being on the podcast uh, today. So we are really excited to have you here and maybe just talk to us a little bit to start off about your organization. What are you working on and, and particularly what led you to start the, the Women in Climate Tech uh, Network? Thank you so much for having me um, on today. So I began my climate journey. For those of you in climate, you know that one of the first uh, communities was my climate journey. So I do like to reference that. Um, we've come a long way since then. But my climate journey began really in 2016-ish. Um, and I had come from a career in marketing for professional services firms, so large law firms, accounting firms, and the like. And I just felt the calling. <laughs> you know, most people in this sector have have stories like mine where they just wake up one morning and say, bugger it, you know, maybe not say, saying quite bugger it, that's an English phrase, but, um, you know, really, is there anything else that's more worthwhile to work on of all the worthwhile things of which there are many? <laughs> so I um, decided I was go not going to wait for somebody else to s try to solve the problem anymore and I could try to do something myself, whatever that was. Um, and it led me to start my own marketing agency which officially launched February of 2018. And from there, it just happened to be around the time when um, climate tech software was really starting to emerge. It was very, very nascent still. One of my first clients had software that was mapped to the TCFD, the Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosures. I learned everything I could about the TCFD, and that was, as a communicator, a big aha moment because it made me realize, wow, for the first time, as a B2B communicator, this changes everything. This puts a price on climate change. This enables companies to put the risk and opportunities on their books. This makes it real. Maybe even describe a little bit more about, because I know that was kind of, yeah, a landmark moment. Yeah, I mean, maybe just for, for folks that are newer to the whole climate space, like even, even kind of uh, unpack that a little more. Yeah, no, it's a very important moment where, you know, Carney and Bloomberg uh, basically were leading this, this um, group together of uh, top financial services companies around the world, um, recognizing this was a coming environmental calamity, but also it's going to affect the markets, it's going to affect business, it's going to affect the economy and our lives. And how do we start thinking about this um, in those terms as well as the environmental terms? 
Um, so it's not one or the other, but how do we embed climate into risk management? How do we embed it into business? How do we embed it into the markets? How do we, how do we come up? How do we address that question? And they came up with this framework, um, and it's it's genius. It was originally, I believe, or the or, its origins was were twenty fifteen was it was first published, and it's gone through many iterations and gained steam and momentum. But it really is a framework that enables people on the business in the business world to understand, project the risks um, uh, that climate change will have on their portfolios of assets. It enables software providers and um, technology providers a framework for, you know, building and managing and communicating these risks to business within business. So it was a big landmark moment. It's, it's gained a lot of momentum. It's just inspired a lot of other movements, including one that Women in Climate Tech launched, which I can tell you about that later. But, um, but yeah, that was a landmark moment for me. And as a communicator, I thought, wow, I'm a B2B communicator. I didn't really have a nonprofit background, didn't have a climate background. I had to take some climate classes, climate change classes to get that background. But um, it changes everything. And this is what I want to spend my career doing. And I did. And from there, I picked up lots of different types of climate tech companies, everything from synthetic biology to, you know, climate risk analytics to oceans technology. It picked up meaning helpful on the communication side. Yeah, yeah. The business and uh, all these nascent climate tech companies really struck me that there, at the time there were networks of people in, for example, clean energy or renewable energy, but they tended to be populated with people who were involved in solar and wind, right? The, the, the first big wave. And I was looking around thinking, well, synthetic biology climate tech is 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 different it's broader it's bigger climate tech basically is the term for any technology in any industry it's not just clean air energy it's food it's water it's you know our clothing how do we embed climate tech into everything that we do and so i thought we really do need a group to work to to to, to communicate working in these issues and that's that was how Women in Climate Tech was born, and we started uh, work on that um, in 2020 and press launch January of 2021. Well, and, and even like, yeah, I think I'm always struck by just how broad technology, the, the tech that can fit into this idea of climate tech is, um, you know, and, and things like, like okay, the example of, of, of the meatless burgers, you know, and kind yeah. of, yeah. like, maybe give, give everybody kind of a walk around, like, just what types of technologies do you consider climate tech that that are maybe less intuitive, right? You know, than than something like a carbon capture. Like, what else comes to mind? Oh, it's like such a great question. And like I said, I think of climate tech in a lot broader sense than clean than just clean energy or renewable energy. Renewable energy was the first wave. I think of innovators and people building solar and and um, electric vehicles and. That was really the first wave. Um, the second wave has been the br even broader, which is the climate tech as a whole. So software that plugs into financial services companies that helps help them helps them me measure and manage climate risk. That's where I first started, um, and that's really kind of fint kind of crossover between fintech and climate tech. Right? There's ag tech, which is everything from how uh, you know the food we eat to how 
food is grown and processed, how the land, um, how soil can be utilized to sequester more carbon. So there's there's that. On the synthetic biology piece and, and some of the other pieces I mentioned, maybe could be thought of as a third wave. Oh, we, so. <laughs> we had um, solar and wind, you know, the, the kind of, and I'm talking very broad terms, right? Just so people to wrap their heads around the first wave was really, you know, the, the energy, renewable energy infrastructure, renewable energy companies, battery and whatnot. The second wave was really more climate tech software, right? And um, there's a huge number of different um, people in the market now. The third wave, I think, is really deep tech. And, and that is where we're going even deeper into the biology and the chemistry of how things are made and trying to make changes to the very kind of chemical makeups of plastics, of foods, of the clothes we wear, of everything to try to be less reliant on fossil fuels um, and chemicals that are problematic for the environment and look for ways to build from scratch, rebuild our, our products and services and markets from scratch in better ways. Um, and that's, I'm doing a lot of work in deep tech now, which is why I mention it. And uh, I've got some fascinating examples there, but yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Tell us more. I mean, so even obviously fed tech, we, we love deep tech. Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yeah, I, yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 Just share. I wish your um, listeners could see this on camera. Um, okay. Oh, I got an actual sample. Okay. Holding up. So um, what you're looking at, and maybe I should describe it. Sure. Um, it's a two by two centimeter, almost looks like a microchip and it's shiny and metallic. And on this microchip is printed approximately 2 million novel chemical combinations. They use nanotechnology to nanoprint different um, combinations from the periodic table in order to find replacements for rare metals that are critical to climate tech. So I'll give you an example. Iridium is a metal that is very, very rare. It's, I think, 0.000003% of the Earth's crust. Um, there's a lot of zeros, but it is critical, critical, critical in um, green hydrogen catalysis. So it enables electrification production of green hydrogen. Hydrogen is going to be a huge part of our economy. It's going to replace a lot of fossil fuels, but you can't do it without iridium right now. We need to find a replacement of iridium because there's not enough iridium on the planet. Sure. Um, copper is a great, another great example. You probably hear about the metals and the challenges there. There's no end of, of examples of how we are running out of precious metals and minerals that are critical to the energy transition. So what these scientists are doing is uh, printing novel combinations and then testing them on chips, massively parallel way. So testing 2 million materials an hour um, to stress test them to see which ones they can scale up to try to replace some of these precious metals. Oh, interesting. Okay, so where, where, where was that invented? Well, this is um, actually out of the um, Northwestern Institute of Nanotechnology and company in Chicago called Matik. Okay. So the idea would be that it's essentially enabling 
a more rapid development of of replacements that may be more abundant. You're absolutely, you're 100%. That's rapid iteration development, tra- traditional development techniques, right? More, much more linear. So you're testing, you find a novel material, you maybe you test maybe a thousand a week if you're lucky. Okay. Um, but this is, is truly digitizing the periodic table and testing as fast as we can to try to you know, keep up with the demands of, of the climate economy. Wow. Okay. So cool. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm sure that that could have a lot of interesting applications, you know, across uh, many, many fields. Well, okay. So like what, what, um, I guess going back to your story again, like what led you to be the type of person that's holding a, a chip that is, uh, made for chemical experimentation at, at your home in, in North Carolina? Like what, what was the journey? Uh, <laughs> well, so, I mean, I continue to do marketing work for, um, climate tech companies as a fractional CMO. Um, and I take on, you know, just a, a small handful of companies and help them scale in the way that um, I've helped several companies. So when my first um, climate tech company that I mentioned, I worked on um, scaled successfully and was sold to um, S&P at the end of 2021. Um, a similar, similarly placed company called Global Weather Corporation was sold to Google um, a couple months later. And um, a lot of these, these climate tech companies are very, represent extremely valuable, their, um, you know, expertise and technology that can be utilized by larger businesses to scale their efforts. So helping to marry small businesses with large businesses is a big part of, um, I think, scaling climate tech as fast as we can. When you, and, and even tell me a little bit. So, so I think you're through the current initiative, women in climate tech. You're you're in some ways attacking like multiple really important issues, right? There's the obviously climate, but also inequity, you know, within t- the technical you know fields that would support climate innovation. Maybe talk more about yeah, just kind of specifically what the organization does and what what what's some of the like what what are kind of the outcomes that you're hoping for. Um, if, if the organization is successful. Yeah, no, thank you for asking. Well, looking around, you know, back in 2018, 2019, it did look very familiar. The landscape looked very familiar um, to me, having lived through the dot-com boom. Right? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I was seeing a lot of the same types of people getting funding and getting support. And it didn't sit well with me because I thought, well, we are facing the most cataclysmic problem we've ever faced. How do we think that tackling it in the same way with the same people with the same structures that got us here is going to lead to fundamental profoundly? And maybe this is getting a little philosophical, but it, it didn't feel right. So climate tech, what is climate tech? Well, yes, it's a machine you can roll out and suck carbon out of the air. Quite literally, they're doing that. I mean, it's fascinating and it's wonderful, but more than that, climate tech needs to represent fundamental change in how we approach and how we set these things up, including who we elevate in order to, to come to solutions. Women are traditionally very underrepresented in technology, as we know, um, and specifically in climate tech recently, there's some st- um, data out that women get women-owned companies get about six percent of venture capital fa- funding um, mm. in climate tech, um, and that's down from eight um, percent the year before. So, 
we're really see, seeing the same patterns and the same um, challenges play out that have plagued other industries and I would argue have held back other industries. We need diversity of thought at the table. We need diversity of thought in action um, implementing these technologies. Um, otherwise we're not gonna we're not gonna make it. So that's the perspective that we strive to bring. And I'll go a little further um, just to kind of pique your imagination, right? And say, fundamentally, the power structures that got us here have negatively impacted many different types of people through the ages. We know this. Um, women, women, uh, one group. Um, fundamentally, why are we here? One of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons is um, our population is gargantuan. It's growing so fast. We are using resources on the planet. Um, because we are, you know, our population is growing. So it met many, many, many women around the world, um, millions of women around the world do not have control over their own bodies to, to determine um, population, you know, to, to help reduce population, to help get a handle on it. And we know that when women have better access to health care, um, they're healthier and their children are healthier and often it leads to smaller, healthier families. Now, how does that relate to climate tech? One of That's a good question, right? If we're going to tackle climate change, you know, this should be part, this should be thought of as part of that work. It's not the only solution, but if you're not thinking broadly about the systemic issues that got us here, and trying to think about how to tackle them, you're not going to be as effective. Um, so one of the things we we think about is climate technologies that can empower women, enable women to like clean cooking stoves in um, places where people and families don't have access to electricity and um, and cooking uh, cooking electric cooking stoves. They can make massive carbon reductions. These, these are used across the world. If you implement clean cooking stoves, um, you can save millions of tons of carbon dioxide a year. Well, who uses them? Primarily women. Um, if, if you switch out to a clean cooking stove, it's got immense value for families and for children. Dirty kind of wood burning stoves create pollution that gives children asthma and on and on and on. So you empower women in communities to make better decisions um, in, in their everyday lives. You can make a significant impact. So how do we think about implementing gender equity throughout climate tech? We know that elevating women to positions of power in companies, specifically board positions, has a better outcome for that business's sustainability efforts. We know that female consumers are more likely to buy products that have a sustainability angle, more likely than male consumers. So if you look at use agenda and lens as one lens to look at this whole scenario, you can make improvements across the board. It can 2X, 3X, whatever climate technology work you're doing. And so we tried to talk about this as well. How do you hire more women? How do you train more women in apprenticeship programs through the ranks? How do you think about 
testing your climate technology so that women are, they appeal to women. Women tend to travel, walk two to three times further than men across the, across the world. They have to travel further than men. Now, we look around in America and we don't see this, but it's true certainly around the, around the world. If you're not thinking about transportation solutions to keep women in mind, are you really thinking about climate tech transportation solutions? It's not the only lens to look through, but it's one that we have to look through. And if you don't have any women making these decisions on your in your company, they're going to miss these this, these important market opportunities. So we try to talk about this as well, and uh, and and we also try to help the women-owned businesses in our network get financing and be successful. Yeah, we're all well, really glad. Yeah, that you are, and and I guess even examine problem more and think about what like so so i know there's a lot of exciting work especially in, in the area that fed tech works most often is kind of this intersection of government r&d and entrepreneurship so we we see a lot that is kind of spurred from you know the biden administration and the, and i think there's kind of a, a a really positive renewed emphasis around like democratization of, of innovation and opportunity you know it's a parts of the country that normally don't don't have access to the same networks, right? People um, who don't have access to the same opportunities. Um, like, what would you like to see? Like, what's kind of the path forward in the next ten years to even even little things like like you mentioned the the you know female founders being less likely to receive venture investment. That's like such a multi kind of prong problem. You know, there's there's um, inequity in in you know, in large organization and the promotion processes that would allow a female founder to, to gain their, their, you know, requisite experience to start a company. Um, there's, there's STEM, you know, issues around, um, just percentage of, of women in STEM. Like what's the, what's the way forward? I mean, what would you like to see just as a, as a society? And then even maybe as a, uh, the government, you know, in terms of, of how they support kind of the, um, reduction of those inequities. Well, I'm glad you asked. And I'd like to address Mr. Biden directly in case he happens to be listening. <laughs> well, number one, I'd love to meet you in person. But number two, um, if you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, if you read it, um, it has done incredible work for um, embedding equity. It, you know, it, it requires these climate tech companies to start thinking about equity, to start thinking about regions that have been underserved and start trying to think about how to engage them, how to wrap that into business. And um, it's it's fantastic because we do need all minds at the table and climate is going to affect all of us in every region. We have to, we have to pull together. Um, nowhere does the legislation mention gender. Sure. And, and that would be a step further that I think is very important for... Um, the, the the federal government to recognize the connection, the important critical connection, and incentivize it, because we know the importance of incentives in this work and how how they can provide rocket fuel to to work. And if I was, you know, are we going? To, is Elon Musk going to invent a gender equity machine that we can roll out and suck all the inequity out of the air? Right? No, that's not going to happen. However, <laughs> we could think about like distributed computing, think about how to embed equity 
throughout the ecosystem. That's something that can can be done. And gender equity is going to look different for different climate tech startups, just like um, uh, racial equity looks. Um, and uh, you know, I want us as a as a society, as a world, to start thinking about that because I think we'll be so much more successful if we do. Yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah, and, and I know, um, like, so I'm I'm the you know operator of uh, you know pretty large venture accelerator now. Like, what advice would you give? How would you give me right, especially and then being a you know middle aged white guy now? Like, I, I need all the advice I can get. Like, how do we? How do we help as an accelerator, you know, bridge the, 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 the gaps? So I think that that's a great question. And I think asking questions like that is the first step, right? The second question is, how do we look at the systemic issues that are resulting in only, and women getting only 6% of venture capital financing? I mean, fundamentally, we're crippling ourselves if that if that's true. All those ideas, all that talent all that potential is being lost how can you tackle it well um does that mean changing the terms changing the way that you assess women you know is it because they're being assessed unfairly in these investment decisions is it because they don't have access to the investors is it because investors don't have confidence in them like what what is it i don't know but i'm here fighting I'm here fighting because we have amazing talent in our network. So many women reach out to me every day and they can't find finance, they can't find support. And I'm just one person. I mean, you're, you know, you're looking at women in climate tech. We don't have funding either. Um, you know, I'm, I'm funding this by doing work on the side, quite literally. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, and, you know, so it's digging deep and asking those questions. Am I willing to take a risk on somebody who looks different and is different than me? Um, And we know from microfinance, right, they've known this for decades, that women tend to be a a really good bet. They tend to pay back their loans at much greater rate than than men do, et cetera. So, you know, I don't have the answer to all of, of, to unpack your question in, in detail, only to say it's the right question to ask. And maybe it means looking at risk a little differently for for people like you. Yeah, sure. And I know, I know for us, like one of, um, one of our partners, Robin Brazil, uh, has done really, really good work in terms of, of thinking about this, um, this opportunity, right. And even when we, when we kind of run the numbers around the entrepreneurs who participate in our programs, like we're looking for quantitative improvements, you know, in terms of, of, of having participants from a range of different backgrounds and, and, you know, um, having yeah more having kind of yeah large increases in diversity as the programs grow and mature so yeah i wish i wish she could be here to she'll, she would have a, a more eloquent uh um perspective on this but i love talking to women right i talk to women all the time and we have webinars for women and i've actually got a wonderful recording we had a webinar last week on how to embed equity in climate tech on, the, on this very question and it wasn't just gender equities where equity as a whole and, and we were mapping it to um, the incentives in um, the Inflation Reduction Act saying, you know, if you're a climate tech company, you want these incentives. You have to think about this. It's not a nice to have any, but you've got to think about it. Um, and I'll, I'll send that recording over to you. But it's wonderful to speak to men. I mean, it's I wouldn't shy away from this, you know, conversation. There's so many, so many things, 
none of us can know all. None of us can have the lived experience. But the point is to have, to build these bridges. And in doing so, that's where we'll become more effective. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Well, tell us more like, so for folks that are interested in getting involved in the organization, how can people get involved? How can they help um, just with, um, you know, because I'm sure we're going to have a lot of folks that would be interested. Yeah, no, we, um, you know, the easiest thing is just to subscribe for our email newsletter on our website, which is womeninclimatetech.org. And it's free to subscribe. And we have a LinkedIn group. um, And then we have regular events. So we're actually on center stage in London. This just came through. We got um wonderful donation of um, space in uh, the at the Excel Center during London Climate Action Week uh, at the end of June. We're also going to be having a big event in uh, Raleigh in the fall in the North Carolina area. Love to do something in D.C. sometime soon too. So if you guys are up for it, that let's do it. Um, yeah, and we have an, a, a regular newsletter. We partner with different organizations where we hear about opportunities that we think could benefit our network. And we're just here fighting the good fight. If I if I could give a gift to anybody, it's it's um, who's who's worried about climate. It's just joining networks like this where you hear all these wonderful ideas and can work with these amazing innovators. And it makes you it just makes you feel hope because there's a lot of great stuff happening. Yeah, well, definitely. And please keep us posted. Like we're doing more and more at FedTech kind of around this topic. So we're running a program that's, that's about to kick off with NASA inventions that NASA has uh, developed in their centers that would yeah. be climate relevant, you know, which again, I think you did a great job of just sharing yeah. how broad, you know, the things that can, the tech that can affect climate positively are. So we're excited about that. And and we'd absolutely love to, you're, you're always welcome in our, in our uh, home here in in DC, like we have, we have a pretty large, um, office and event space. So be careful yeah. what you wish for. Cause I'm going to be there and we're going to have, we're going to bring some women out and I'll- Oh yeah, no, of course, consider yourself uh, open invitation, um, to, uh, yeah. And our folks, yeah, would, would be happy to set that up anytime. And, but yeah, really grateful for, yeah, the work you're doing and, and just, yeah, the time to get to spend together, I guess. Yeah. I usually finish just asking, you know, our guests of, of what advice would you give entrepreneurs, you know, maybe that are, are looking, um, we, we do meet a, an immense number of really talented people who want to start companies that can help, you know, solve the, the climate crisis. How would you advise them if you just had a few minutes, you know, with them? I, I guess my words would just be words of encouragement. And that is, I, I took the leap. I quit my job. I felt like I had no choice, but to work on the climate crisis in, you know, in, in 2018 and it was a huge leap, but I, and it was terrifying. And there was really not nowhere near the type of resources. We couldn't even use the term climate in, in our social media. We had to use climate risk because uh, climate change was uh, so fraught of a term. So it was very hidden, very kind of, you know, difficult to find people to connect with and like mine. But, but so we've come a long way. I would just say if someone like me can do it, anybody can do it. I did not, you know, I, I, I knew there was something I could give. Um, I'm not a scientist. I'm not necessarily a technologist. I'm a communicator. And I knew this was what I wanted to do. And so um, where there's a will, there's a way. And I just would encourage, um, we need all hands on deck, all ideas. And if Women in Climate Tech can help anybody, um, that's, that's a win. Um, every day I wake up thinking that. So there we go. 
Well, thank you, Ellen. Yeah, wonderful to have you on, on the podcast here and um, looking forward to staying connected as, as you grow your organization. And thank you. Definitely this is something that we care a lot about. So we'll leave it there. And thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much.